electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to explain. Tell you how days like today could happen. So call me, 1-800-743-CNBC, or tweet me at Jim Craver. When interest rates spike, they can stop any rally in its tracks, which is exactly what happened today. After eight straight days with the S&P 500 roared higher, we got a bond market-inspired pullback. In other words, rates went up big. The Dow losing 220 points, S&P falling 0.81%, and the Nasdaq tumbling 0.94%. And I don't think the market's done going down for now. If the S&P had gone up today, do you know that this would have marked the longest winning streak in 19 years? And it sure looked like we had it in the bag right up until we got a 30-year Treasury auction that no one seemed to be paying attention with. It very little, they're very weak demand. And that sent long-term interest rates soaring. As is so often the case, when these Treasury auctions fail and rates go up, stocks just get clubbed. It is ineluctable. Remember when the market caught fire last week? I told you it was all about the new Treasury issue and schedule for 2024. It was skewed toward the shorter end of the yoker, mostly three to 10-year paper. Very few 30-year bonds would be used to refinance the debt. It was great news because the excess supply of long-term treasuries is what kept sending rates up. But all the treasury issuance schedule didn't eliminate the 30-year auctions remaining for this year. And today, one of those auctions ended up pushing the yield on 30-year shockingly higher. It was dispiriting. But unfortunately, when the Treasury Department arranged the schedule for 2023, it emphasized that longer duration paper it ended up doing gratuitous damage to everything financial. The house of pain. Then right on top of the crummy auction, Fed Chief Jay Powell came out and said he might not be, he may not be done. You know, he keeps playing that game. Nothing new here. He's been saying that he'll keep playing if necessary for ages. Doesn't matter. No market's equipped to handle that devastating one-two punch, the auction and the Fed Chief. So the averages, then they got pulverized. Stocks as an asset class cannot rally when interest rates spike. And the Fed says we still need to be vigilant against inflation. If rates keep climbing, I suspect the mortgage rates will be impacted immediately, perhaps by a quarter of a point, maybe more. That's not what we want to see. The housing stocks were actually going higher recently. I mentioned this because today in a really terrific CNBC virtual event, it's called Your Money. I got a, just an amazing question from my great friend Tyler Matheson, who pondered how this could be such a huge year, especially for the Nasdaq, given that interest rates have moved up so dramatically. Why hasn't that crushed the market the way that the higher rates kiboshed this impossible bullish winning streak today? I mentioned really that, believe it or not, in the 1990s, we had several runs like this, and while some ended badly, others demonstrated that stocks can indeed resist the gravitational pull of the bond market for long streaks at a time. In short, it's unusual for stocks to go up in this kind of environment, but it's not unprecedented. So what does that mean for the nascent but powerful eight-day rally that seemed to be nipped in the bud today? Is it gone? No, I don't think so. I don't think the rally's over. 
But you have to understand that today was the kind of day we've seen many times, at least until 10 days ago. I think we have a few more sessions like this, but that doesn't mean they're going away entirely. And it certainly doesn't mean we are finished with the sell-off because we got some negative reports tonight, which tell me that tomorrow it, it could be soggy. So you need to pick stocks very carefully right now if you're trying to make money in a market like this one after that great streak and us being now overbought first. I would say, as always, there are some stocks that are, uh, I don't want to say immune, but somewhat immune to the pull of bonds because they're not outrageously expensive and they represent companies that don't need to raise capital. In the 90s, it was Intel and Microsoft as the two combined to create the PC revolution. They were the essence of what worked in the 90s when we had higher rates just like today. This time, I'm thinking that six members of the Magnificent Seven remind me of Intel and Microsoft in the 90s. Currently, of course, Microsoft is one of them. The stock's zooming because they're actually making money in artificial intelligence. No, it's not hype with them. It's not hope. It's money. Actual products like Copilot that allow you to harness the power of AI yourself. At the same time, NVIDIA is the king of artificial intelligence chips. Amazon's been using AI for years. That's how they know what you'll buy. That's called inference, all right? Inference is key to artificial intelligence. The others aren't necessarily part of the AI mob, but most of them have some involvement, and they've got a lot of things going for them. Meta and Alphabet are taking a huge amount of ad dollars away from traditional media channels more every day, and AI helps them make those ads more targeted. Look out, though, for these two of the seven tomorrow, because a very sharp alpha called Trade Desk that I like very much reported tonight, and it is being crushed. It helps advertisers on the web get the best price and placements. It did see a real slowing in ads this quarter uh, and gave a terrible forecast, okay? And that's something we didn't hear from Alphabet or Meta when they reported recently, but something that you're going to have to hear over and over again tomorrow, particularly when they start talking about it. Apple's really not an AI play, but its products and services are so special that it can withstand and has withstood the pernicious undertow from the bond market when it's been ugly. It's no coincidence that of the Magnificent Seven, only Tesla stocks be getting crushed because only Tesla's hostage to the bond market. They're an automaker, which means their customers need financing. When auto loans get more expensive, they lose business. More on the sorry state of EV affairs later in the show. But this is not a Tesla moment. The message. Companies can defeat the downward pull of interest rates if they have a fabulous secular growth story like artificial intelligence or superior technology when it comes to reaching people like Facebook and Alphabet. Again, though, remember, TTD is going to hurt those stocks tomorrow. We'll talk about them tomorrow at the 9. We'll talk about it at the club. Normally, I tell you that drug stocks with terrific stories can buck the trend, but the designated winner in Big Pharma, Eli Lilly, had run up so much that it was subject to intense profit-taking today, down 4.5%. And the rest of the group was weak, too, but not as weak as Lilly. Remember, most Big Pharma names are dividend stocks that compete directly with bonds. So when Treasury prices come down and rates go higher, the drug stocks, they almost always get hit. Didn't matter that last night Lilly just got FDA approval to use this revolutionary diabetes drug for weight loss. No! Didn't matter one bit. Oh, by the way, the rest of the group, led down by Merck and Bristol-Myers, demonstrated the bottom linkage in a perfect way. Hey, by the way, I would buy Eli Lilly on weakness now that its miracle obesity drug can actually be prescribed for weight loss. In fact, you know, the American Heart Association is considering endorsing this whole class of drugs to prevent heart disease, and we could get something like that announced this very weekend when the AHA meets. Finally, there are the turnaround stories that are powerful enough that they won't be weighed down by bonds, at least the moment they're announced. Last time, we got tremendous news from Disney. Oh, my. Are we just... Oh, it's about time. 
CEO Bob Iger laid out a plan to save $7.5 billion. That was up from $5.5 billion previously. Meanwhile, the company added about 7 million core subscribers to Disney+. Plus. That was much more than expected and predicted the service would reach profitability by this time next year. That's on target. This is all good news. It's coupled with the possibility, get this, that there'll be a dividend declaration very soon. And then maybe even, because they do have a lot of cash and a very good balance sheet, a buyback. Stock shot up almost 7% on that news. Yes, Disney's balance sheet is that strong, even after it buys the rest of Hulu from Comcast, parent company's network. Given this stock has been horrendous for so long, it was able to erupt higher today. You know what? That one's got more room to run. If that one comes down tomorrow, you know what? What can I say? Bye, bye, bye! Throughout the 90s, we saw amazing reinventions and cost cuts that took stocks much higher even when rates were on the rise. That could be Disney. Yep, innovation and self-help are what allow stocks to buck the pull of the bond market, just like we saw in the 90s. I think we actually could have one more up day. Uh, we would have, I think, if it weren't for j comments. But you know what? <sighs> we're going to have to go down a little bit now because of what he said. Bottom line, remember the names that were doing well up until Powell delivered the coup de grace. Even the ones that did well this very morning, because those will be the first to bounce back when the smoke clears. And after a few days, it will clear. Jim in New Jersey. Jim. Yes, sir. Hey, Jim. How are it's you? Jim. I'm fine. Yes. What's up? I'm calling in today from the great state of New Jersey with a question about Dominion Energy, stock symbol D. I bought it in the year 2020 at 81. Today it closed just below 45. It currently pays a respectable dividend of 2.67%. Considering where I own it, in your analysis, in the near to midterm, is this stock for me a buy, sell, or hold? Okay, so Jimmy, listen to me. Uh, this stock is one of the worst in the utility segment, and the utility stocks are all down like the bond market has been down and interest rates go higher. So it's traveled with them. That's why it's down about 27%. They are doing a reorganization that sounds intriguing to me, and I don't want you to just ditch it right here, but it yields 5.9%. When it gets down to a 5% yield, in other words, when the stock goes higher, I do think you should sell it. It's just not that great a company. It's not. It used to be. Bud in Ohio. Bud. Booyahski, Daddy. This is a longtime fan and very happy club member Bud calling from beautiful Akron, Ohio. Oh, man, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. Hey, listen, I've read all your books and would really appreciate if you could grade me on a very be- a brief recap of my homework assignment on Huntington Bank Corp. Okay, look, Huntington Bank. The- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Ah, darn. All right. So listen, this is the problem. And uh, and I said this today in this excellent, excellent meeting that we have with with Tyler Matheson, this terrific. Uh, it, we do have some great programs right here. And it was your money. And it was so good. And here's what they what I was asked about what regional banks and I talked about Huntington and it's incredibly well run. Steven Steinauer runs it. He does a great job. It yields six percent. They're doing a good job. But these are stocks that are out of favor with the market. And as long as interest rates are going to be uh, work their way higher or stay this high, Huntington Bank share is not going to be able to rally from these levels. It needs lower rates. That must happen. There's your homework. Great. Can I speak to uh, Malinsky in Virginia? Malinsky. Hey, Kramer, thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Of course. Hey, What's happening? Do you, do you know why nine and six are my two favorite numbers? No, what would that be? Because at nine, I've got you on Squawk in the Street, and with you, Faber, and Carl, it's the best team of financial journalism going today, period. Uh, and then, at six, of course, I've got mad money. <clears throat> 
You're very kind. I thought you were like some, I thought you were like O's the mentalist. I was thinking other numbers that you were gonna pull out of your head, but that's terrific. I like this I like that. Nine and six. Remember that over there. Yeah, the birthday guy between, is there. And between between the two I can read all about the club, which I'm a member of. So cool. Thank you. And we got hey. a big meeting next week and we got uh, and don't fret about these uh, the magnificent six of seven that we have because I think they're doing well. Go ahead. Hey, so um, I'm a little perplexed. Every restaurant I go to is packed, crowded, right. anywhere I go. You know, and I, and I travel around and it, any city. But still, the number one food distributor in the country can't get out of its own way. It's doing nothing. And I'm not talking about Cisco networking. I'm talking about Cisco Foods. No, we- you're absolutely right. It should be doing better. I, I don't know why it's not doing better. I know they have some higher costs. I know that they've been infected. You know, look, they've had the same uh, affliction that all of us have with inflation. But you're right. It should be doing better because re- restaurants are doing better. We know the numbers. We know them from all sorts of different companies. I'm surprised that Cisco is not doing better than it is right now. A bad bond auction. When I say bad, I mean... Sell, sell, sell. And stern words from Jay Powell, one-two punch. We're too much to overcome this afternoon, but keep an eye on the stocks that were outperforming in the morning because those will be the first to bounce back once the dust settles. And, yes, Alphabet and Meta will be under pressure because of trade desk. We'll deal with it tomorrow, as that gentleman just said, Malinsky, at the 9 o'clock. Oh, mad money tonight. Thought it was game over for gamers? Grand Theft Automaker Take Two Interactive got an extra life after its stock scored big, scored big this year. It's up 40% year to date. I'll see if the move can continue when I sit down with the CEO. Hey, if that stock comes down tomorrow, that could be interesting. Then is the electric vehicle market short-circuiting? As growth in the space slows, I'll reveal how you should approach your investments in the major automakers that have spent years pumping cash in the business. I don't know if it's paying off. And from trains to planes to automobiles, ITT helps make the technology keeps it all under control. I'm sitting down with the CEO, fresh off earnings, to find out what's ahead. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
right. Yesterday, Take-Two Interactive announced that they're coming out with a trailer for video game next month. I'm going to be specific about they in a moment. And that news alone was enough to send the stock up more than 5% because the game in question is, yes, Grand Theft Auto 6, the next installment of the biggest franchise in the entertainment business. The last installment came out a decade ago, and look, it's the highest grossing entertainment product in history. After the close, Take-Two reported a good quarter, although some thought that their guidance came in a bit below expectations. More on that, too. It was still enough to send the stock up another 2%. So could this be the start of a major move higher? Not that we already haven't had 30 points since we saw them last. Let's check in with Strauss Zeldin, Chairman and CEO of Take-Two Interactive, to get a better sense of what's going on. Mr. Zeldin, welcome back to me, everybody. Nice to be here, Jim. All right, so, Strauss, one of the reasons why uh, I always find it hard to tell people to own your stock, because I always want them to, is because of this. There's a Reuters story that comes out today. It says, Take-Two Interactive forecasts downbeat bookings on sluggish demand. Now, can I just tell you, I read everything in a vacuum. I thought the bookings were upbeat on good demand. How does this stuff keep happening? Well, you know, I really can't comment on Reuters. I can tell you that we were at the high end of our net bookings range for the quarter, that we reiterated our guidance for the year. Our management results were exceeding expectations, uh, and sales are great across the board. Still well, challenging times out there, but we're really right, uh, challenging we're times. But I, I'll give you look. look let, let's give them this. There were some people who felt that that uh, NBA 2K, which I think is just an amazing game, could have done say uh, five million. It did four and a half. I mean, is that make or break for you? That's just a timing matter. We think that NBA 2K24 will end up being uh, a bigger title than last year's iteration. It's certainly a better title. Uh, but there are different marketing methods that we uh, uh, pursue at different times. So that's right. This uh, this time last year, we were closer to five million. Right. We'll end up making that up over the coming months. And I understand there's some people who feel, uh, and you've told me all, over and over again, it's really hard to crack into the Zynga part of the business, the mobile. But if you get it, it's the holy grail. Now, I think that you talked about a group, my agent's endeavor. You talked about the possibility of something called Power Slap, which I have not seen my own bed. That sounds like it could be the next big. Uh, it's, it's already a hit. It's a modest hit, but it's a hit. I think the key thing is that the hardest thing to do in mobile video games is create a new hit. Right. And we have Power Slap, which is small but terrific. And then we have two that are bubbling up, Match Factory and Top Troops. Um, so we're cautiously optimistic. You know, I don't like to claim success before I know. It occurs, but it feels pretty good. But, you know, it's it, funny. I was looking at the New York Times numbers yesterday, and I know my wife plays Wordle every night before she goes to bed. And I said, I said, Strauss has got something better than Wordle. I know he's got Where is it? So we have a lot of great titles, actually. I mean, the, the best thing about Zynga is it, like our console and PC business, it has the best collection of owned intellectual property in the mobile space. The point, though, is we always need to refresh that. That is hard in mobile. Looks like we're going to be able to do that. Meanwhile, the deal itself has a, a overachieved against, against all of the metrics that we laid out, and it's accretive to the company. We're really happy with it. Good. I'm glad you said it that way, because sometimes what happens is people say, well, it's really hard, and then who knows how they're doing, but it actually is uh, empirical that it's winning. I yes. mean, there are numbers. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, about Grand Theft Auto. Uh, first, the current iteration, but then six. First, I want people to understand, you not only do not rush a game, but it's entirely possible that Mr. Hauser, who I know is a genius, didn't even tell you that he's, good, that he's ready. Is he that independent? Uh, we're very close colleagues, so uh, n- no, that wouldn't be the way any well-run company operates. Uh, we work together very closely. That said, our labels do have a great deal of independence, and we right. not only encourage them to pursue creativity endlessly. Right. We insist that they pursue their passions. And look, Grand Theft Auto V 
was released 10 years ago. It sold in over 190 million units. It continues to be a powerful force in the business today. Uh, something like that is worth waiting for. Okay, so first of all, I'm sure the iteration is going to be amazing. But second, please, because you are both at the intersection of technology and entertainment, talk about what the technology might mean for the ne- for in the last 10 years what's happened, because I think that may be... The- the trick to why this is going to be the greatest selling game of all time. And those who want to are worried about sluggish, the downbeat bookings are going to miss the next 60 points. So, you know, we always want our labels to talk about their upcoming properties. Right. You're right, though, that technology has advanced greatly since Grand Theft Auto V was released. That was was literally three console cycles ago. Oh, my God, NVIDIA. What was NVIDIA doing then? And and it remains the standard bearer for the industry now. That's extraordinary. So, yes, uh, my hopes and expectations are very high. Now, is it possible, as some of my friends at NVIDIA tell me, that there could be some things lurking inside that we never thought, kind of like uh, Free Guy, where people who are non-players may turn out to be not as much non-players as you think? Well, again, I wouldn't talk about any particular title. I do think that our generative AI is going to change the nature of what we do. And I think it'll change the nature of many of our games in the future, all to the good for players and consumers. I think your point, Jim, is that that could indeed broaden the market because to the extent that the experience is more compelling and more welcoming, you know, we already have two and a half billion people on the face of the earth who play video games. Maybe that number goes up. Okay, that's what I'm thinking is that what will happen is, is that my, my nephew will say, Uncle Jumbo, have you seen this game? I'll say, no, of course I've seen the game. He says, no, you haven't seen I want you this character. That I think it's a word of mouth for the next iteration that can make it so big. I think there's enormous opportunity ahead, and we are already the fastest growing industry in the entertainment business, and I think uh, the business is likely to accelerate, and technology is part of that. Not all of it, but right. part of it. And one last thing, I, it bothers me. I think people don't, you know, you have all these, you have, you put numbers out and numbers out and numbers out. Uh, if, if you didn't have Grand Theft Auto, wouldn't 57 million units for Red Dead be just an awesome, unbelievable number? It's a, it's a great point. So we have 11 franchises that have each sold at least 5 million units. Our second, our third, our fourth best titles are still bigger than most of our competitors. And today, of course, we are the number two pure play interactive entertainment company on Earth. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, from our point of view, that means we still have a lot of work yet to do. I, I couldn't agree more. And I thought I was thought it was so great that people could still get the stock because of the, the downbeat market at a price that is very reasonable versus what I thought it might be when I heard about about GTA 6. That's Strauss Zelnick, chairman CEO of Take Two Interactive. Please it, it's, do not read things. Well, no, read these things and then realize why you can get the stock at a bargain. Man, my package is great. Coming up, when you come to a fork in the road, get directions. With the auto strike in the rear view, where is this cohort headed next? Kramer's got the GPS when we return. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. with the automakers now that the bloom is very much off the rose when it comes to electric vehicles and the whole industry is being strangled by higher interest rates? You probably don't want to touch them right now, but I think some of the auto stocks can actually be worth buying in the weakness, especially if the Fed's near done tightening. Something we still can't tell given how the Fed chief is always leaving the door open for more hikes as he did today. However, you need to proceed with caution here because you don't want too much exposure to the ongoing meltdown. It was once the most exciting investment story out there. Yes, electric vehicles. The house of pain. Oh, and make no mistake about it. It is a meltdown. Everybody in the industry assumed electrics would keep going like crazy. But now the growth has slowed just as the market has been flooded with new supply. We're not dealing with an EV apocalypse. But this segment is clearly less exciting and less profitable than the automakers ever assumed. The earnings season, it's been one piece of bad news after another for the automakers, and especially the electric side of the business. Tesla reported a particularly suboptimal quarter in mid-October, just an across-the-board disappointment. <laughs> While Tesla did reiterate its full-year production forecast, and Elon Musk had a lot to say about future initiatives like AI and the Cybertruck, Musk made it clear that high interest rates are making it much more expensive for people to buy cars, and that's hitting electrics especially hard. The good news for Musk and Tesla is that long rates have retreated somewhat since mid-October, but they're still pretty darn high, and yes, again, they shot up as if on cue for this piece. When GM reported on October 24th, they actually posted excellent quarterly results, but the stock got hit because management withdrew their full-year forecast. Never good. See, the strength of GM was powered by the old-fashioned, old-school internal combustion engine business, especially trucks and SUVs. Unfortunately, that's kind of a problem because GM has basically bet its future on electric vehicles. Now they're suddenly dialing back those investments because the CEO Mary Barr acknowledged if they expand production too rapidly, they won't be able to maintain strong pricing. Shortly after GM reported, we heard from Ford, and that was truly a disappointing quarter. I really felt this one because we own Ford for the Travel Trust, although we put it in the penalty box after those results. These guys posted a top and bottom line miss, thanks in large part to high costs from warranties. And like GM, they pulled their full-year guidance. But unlike GM, Ford broke out the results of its electric vehicle division, giving us a clear picture of the business. It isn't pretty. Ford Blue, their traditional internal combustion business, was the only segment to beat the sales estimates, up 7% year-over-year. Ford's electric business only did $1.7 billion in sales. The street was looking for $2.7 billion. That's awful. Electric revenues were roughly flat for the previous quarter, even though unit sales were up 6%, meaning that pricing's going against them. Very problematic because Ford was already losing money on every one of its electric vehicles. That's just not acceptable. This week, we got even more electric vehicle weakness. We heard from Lucid, Fisker, and Rivian, three EV pure plays, and their stocks are now down 19%, 16%, and 13% for the week, respectively. That's... It's only Thursday. Lucid just cut its production guidance. 
Makes sense because, uh, well, last week they told us they were slashing prices for their expensive electric sedans. Clearly, demands evaporating for these things. Fisker delayed its third quarter report until next week because they just hired a new chief accounting officer on Monday. I think that's a bad sign, especially when Fisker also cut prices last month. Rivian, now wait a second, Rivian actually reported a solid set of numbers, even increasing its production forecast. But most analysts still cut their price targets, in large part because they were way too high coming into the quarter. So what the heck do we do with these automakers now that they've bet so much money on products that are a lot less popular than anyone expected. First off, you do have my blessing to simply not own any of these right now. You don't have to. Historically speaking, it's very hard to own anything auto-related until the Fed starts cutting interest rates. We definitely aren't there yet. Throw in the electric vehicle debacle and you've got every reason to steer clear of every one of these stocks. But if you want auto exposure, maybe because you see rates coming down faster than expected, you should fall back on the ones with less electric exposure. From my perspective, that actually means Ford and GM, even as they just agreed to a very expensive new contract with the United Auto Workers Union that I think is going to hurt them on labor costs. Fortunately, those costs are already baked into their beaten down stock prices. But I don't know about their EV problems. The UAW deal gives Ford and GM an excuse to back away or at least scale back their, their electric vehicle commitment time frame because the already ridiculous cost of making these things just got even higher. In fact, Ford and GM have been already saying that they're dialing back their electric vehicle expansion plans. That, that's terrific. We need them to do that. These two have bet. They have by far the best old-fashioned internal combustion businesses when it comes to profitability, which they should get more credit for now that the EV fever is broken. Plus, their stocks are extremely cheap on next year's earnings estimates, although often that's a sign that the estimates are just way, way too high. We put Ford in the penalty box for the charity trust after that last quarter, but we're not ready to give up on it yet. We just think it's too inexpensive. We hope it's not a value chap. GM is basically in the same bucket, although they did better this earnings season than Ford did. As for the pure play electric vehicles, the only one I feel comfortable recommending is Tesla. And even though uh, that, that's only because I believe in Elon Musk's ability to create value over the long haul. I trust Musk. But you don't forget about Tesla for the moment. I don't know. I mean, this one's weighing on me every minute, I've got to tell you, because I want to come out and say buy Tesla. I really do. But I just see things that are just not adding up. In the end, the electric vehicle market looked very attractive when Tesla was the only major player. And there were never enough of these cars to go around. But now that everybody's making them, supply has started to outstrip demand, which is terrible for pricing. Aside from Tesla, I think you want to minimize your exposure to the pure plays. Bottom line, if you want to invest in the automakers right now, stick to the ones with the best ICE, internal combustion energy, there's engine businesses. And what are we talking about there? We're talking about Ford and we're talking about GM. Even then, though, there's absolutely no hurry to buy them because we're in the wrong part of the business cycle for anything auto-related. So take your time and wait for more weakness before you pull the trigger. And Tesla, oh, it's always going to be great. It's just that it's greater at some points than it is in others, like right now. Marty in New York, Marty. Hey, Jim, great show. Thank after, you, Marty. After, after Accidental's uh, earnings call this week, what are your short-term and long-term thoughts on the stock? Well, I don't really care for it. It's been bid up by Warren Buffett, frankly. I think it would be a little bit lower if it weren't for uh, Mr. Buffett's buying. Uh, I do prefer, uh, I very much prefer Kotara, which had a much better quarter. And I think that's the one you want. I think that's the one you should buy. We own that for the Charitable Trust. George in Texas. George. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Jim? I don't know, George. I'm talking about these autos, and I'm just sick that they're doing so poorly. Just sick of it. I want them to do well. How about you? What are you up to? Oh, hanging in there. I'm in Miami, and I, I landed in Texas doing a protection detail. I always watch you all the time. I'm trying to look into this Devon Energy. There's supposed to be a big buyout to buy out. They pay a dividend about 6.5%. 
I was wondering if it's something I should sink more money into uh, at now. This point, at this money. point, I actually am not going to fight Devin. It's down almost 30%. It's not like Rick Moncrief has lost his mind. They do have a good yield. But remember, I am not a big fan of the oil companies here. The direction of the commodity is down, and therefore the stocks are too. Now, if you want to invest in the automakers, you need to stick with the ones that are still reliant on internal combustion engines, ICE. And even then, I think you have plenty of time before you pull the trigger on any of these names. Remember, Ford is in the char- it's in look, Ford is it's in the penalty box big time for the charitable trust, and I just say woe is me because I just did not want this to happen. And Jim Farley knows I feel that way. He's the CEO. All right, much more mad money head. Whether it's the ground floor or the freeway or 30,000 feet in the sky, industrial player ITT has a kind of boring technology, but it does power it all. The company just delivered a solid quarter. But what is it saying about the overall economy? I've got the CEO on a very inexpensive stock. Then is it time to look beyond the Magnificent Seven? Don't make a move beyond hearing my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. talk about one of the best performing stocks that you may never heard of. It's called ITT. Yeah, the century-old industrial company that makes engineering components for all sorts of end markets like transportation, energy, uh, aerospace, defense. They've got exposure to some big themes. Think decarbonization, the rise of reshoring as businesses move their manufacturing back to the United States or our neighbors. Well, okay, so maybe it doesn't sound that sexy. The stock's more than doubled since the current CEO, Luca Sabi, took over since the beginning of 2019. And that includes a 24% gain year-to-date. That's nearly double what you would have gotten for the S&P 500. Even after this move, ITC sells for just 17 times next year's earnings, and the company just announced a $1 billion buyback. May not seem big, but it represents nearly one-eighth of the share count. So let's take a closer look with Luca Sabi. He's the president and CEO of ITT to learn more about the company. Mr. Sabi, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you, G. Thank you for having ITT here. Of course. Now, we know the story in history, but I think that this is the first time just give some people about the, uh, a little knowledge about some of the verticals, because when you're connecting control tech, that may not mean enough. Industrial processes may not mean enough. Everyone knows auto, but go ahead. Yeah, sure. ITT is a manufacturing and engineering company. We make components for uh, harsh environments in different sectors. So we are talking about automotive. We make uh, brake pads. You know, the brake pads that keep you safe when you're sure. driving on the I-95? Chances are, are ITT brake pads. Or uh, pumps and valves. Well, you're talking the, the general industrial, pulp and paper, uh, mining. You know, we make pumps and valves for this industry. And then connectors, connectors that are in many of the airplanes that we are flying in today. We have leading position in many of the markets we are operating in, thanks to the differentiation we have from the competition. This is it. Okay, so let's talk about how you uh, reduce emissions in oil and gas. Talk about decarbonization, because we think this theme is here to stay. Sure. Our products, our people are working hard and diligently to help the world and our customers to reduce their greenhouse emissions. How do we do it? Three things. We are involved in LNG. We are involved in many of the projects around the world producing an LNG. Second is that we are helping our customers, our oil and gas, to reduce and eliminate flaring so they do not burn that's you. gas. That's, that's you, because pumps. when we first started going in 2011, we went to the Bach, and they were flaring everywhere. And you, can, you know you can see it from up in space, and it was just terrible for the environment. It's, it's awful. So our Bornemann pumps, twin-screw pumps, multi-phase pump technology, they can pump liquid, 
gas together and therefore they can pump to the distribution where they can recover the gas rather than burning there at the well. And then last is the carbon capture. Uh, our Bornman pumps, the pumps I was talking to you about, they are going to be used in the world's largest decarbonization plant in the world in Australia, where they are producing 60 million tons of LNG on a yearly basis. And our pumps will push the CO2 two miles down the ground. Okay, so talking about this acquisition, and I know you measure these things because you want to buy versus your stock, buying something versus buying your stock because you're such a good steward of your capital. Spanahoy, because this thing seems it's just right exactly in the middle of, 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 of making everything cleaner. Fuel and energy pumps, tank controls. These are the things that right now are causing a lot of problems in the environment. Sure. Your Danish is very good. Svanhoi. This is a Danish company based in Denmark. I had a good Danish for my, my partner, uh, Dylan Reebok, who was his lunch today. Oh, his good, birthday. good. Well done. Uh, they, they're making cryogenic pumps. They're headquartered in Denmark, $155 million of revenue, roughly 21% EBITDA. Uh, it's a really good company. It's run very well. They perform for their customer. They perform financially. When they have leading position in three of the four verticals they're operating in, LNG, LPG, ammonia, they're operating in attractive markets. This market will be growing right. for the next 10 and 20 years, and the management team is second to none. So you spend one day and a half with them in Denmark, and the depth of knowledge they have of their products, of their markets, of their customer is a great fit for okay. ITT. See, now, people here, they may just say, well, ammonia, that's Parsons ammonia. No, isn't ammonia the hottest single thing going on in the United States right now? But ammonia will be the way that hydrogen will be transported right. in the future. Now, we will not see in the next five years, but in the next 10 or 20 years, that would be a big thing. Well, that's the way you have to think. That's, what, uh, that's the way ITT has always thought. Uh, when we go to your website, we see defense. We see connectors for, again, rugged, harsh environment That's for right. defense. That's right. So defense is another market that is growing and is going to be a tailwind for us. For unfortunate reason, we see defense keep on right. growing because of the geopolitical environment. So this is one of the attractive markets that we're operating in. And uh, finally, when you buy so much stock back, I mean, one of the things that I think it, why you should be buying is, is, is for the same reason that we're here right now. If everyone knew your end markets and everyone understood your growth, then you would never be able to buy your stock for this low. But it seems like that you recognize the bargain that your own stock is. Sure. So what we have, we put also together a, a program, a $1 billion of share repurchase that's been approved by the board recently. And that will give us flexibility in terms of capital deployment. But when you look at capital deployment, priority one is organic investment. Right. These are the best return. These where the money will go first. Second is M&A. We developed and we built a, a great team that has worked hard and diligently to create a good pipeline of opportunity. We have a rich pipeline of opportunities in M&A. But you know, M&A, you're not in control of it. So the share purchases will give us that flexibility. Well, look, I think it's terrific. When we, when we heard that you wanted to come on, we were excited. I mean, I know the great history of your company, and I think that the things you're doing, they may not be, look, it may not be lights out, but as far as I'm concerned, it's money-making. That's what we care about, because this is mad money. That's Lucas Abis, the president and CEO of ITT. Thank you so much for coming on, Thank sir. You, Appreciate it. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. Before we start the lightning round, here at Mad Bunny, it is a long-standing tradition to celebrate Veterans Day and honor the women and men 
who have served our great nation. Whether we're here at the New York Stock Exchange or have our boots on the ground at West Point or the Air Force Academy, we are grateful for the sacrifices you make to keep us safe. So tonight we have a special Veterans Day edition of the Lightning Round, featuring some incredible people who have served or are currently serving in the U.S. military. And now it is time. It's time for the Lightning Round. Chris, everybody, Play the and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, for the lightning round. Let's start with Tim in Texas. Tim. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Thanks for all you do. The veterans. Broadcom. You had Hawk Fan last year on the show. Been impressed. Haven't looked back. Broadcom. I think, Tim, that we're going to see that deal be done. I think that they're going to be allowed to buy VMware, and the stock is going to shoot up from here, which is why we went up to the club at a very good level. Bye. Michael Matthews is Michael. Jim, thanks for taking my phone call. I'm a member of your club, and I like to say you're a nicer person than my drill instructor was. <laughs> well, I pride myself. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. Snowflake is a stock I'm calling about. Capital One has a target price of 195 on it. Today it closed at 156 It also looks like Frank Sloopman has sold almost 50,000 shares this year. I wish he was buying. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Um, I am concerned that a company called Databricks that we had earlier this week may have a better engine, so to speak, than Snowflake. It's the first time I've had any doubt about Snowflake. I thought that Databricks, which is private, was very, very impressive. Let's go to Michael in Maine. Michael! Bing bong, Jim. They got robots that make wafers. Is it over for Ahur? Um... I don't want to say it's necessarily over because I like the testing business, but if I'm going to be in testing, I want to be in letter A, Agilent. Let's go to Buck in Virginia. Buck. Hey, Kramer, thanks so much for taking my call. Thank you for everything you do. Well, how can I help? Hey, for over a decade, you've educated, taught, and entertained me, and now I'm reaping the benefits as a retiree. Thank you. My question is, my, you're welcome. My question is about AutoZone. It nearly made an all-time high today and has finished 10 out of the last 11 sessions in the green. With so many new cars on the road now compared to previous years, do you anticipate any headwinds? I think that AutoZone is going to do fabulously. The average car on the road is still very, very old. And more important, this company is incredibly well run with a buyback that is the biggest in the New York Stock Exchange. I want you to buy it. And every time it dips, I want you to buy more. It's just one share, five shares. That's okay. It will add up. Everett in Connecticut. Everett. Hey, greetings, Jim. Thanks for the invitation to their show. Oh, uh, thanks, Peter. Okay. I called you a couple of times. Uh, the most memorable time is when I met you and your wonderful wife on set at a Veterans Day show a few years ago in New Jersey. I miss those days awesome. so much. I miss them. We got to do Pop that again. We got to do that again. Absolutely. We have, well, but yes, we have to. How can I help? I, th- I thought that was the phone call, but hey. All right. Uh, happy holiday to you and yours. Kicker, NVO, Nova right. Nordisk. Nova Nordisk is very good. I still prefer Lily, particularly after the tumble that Lily took today. It took about a 5% tumble, and I think that they've got some good news coming up this weekend with the American Heart Association. I want you to be loaning either one of those, and thank you. And, yes, I miss those shows very much. Daniel in California. Daniel. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. I bought this stock during the 2020 COVID lows. I'm currently up over 300%, but over the past year, the stock has been on a roller coaster ride. Should I cash out or let it ride? My stock is go-go. I would, I, would, I would cash out. I just don't see it. That was a good COVID stock. It's not anymore. I mean, good in that it was so low. I, Daniel, I just wish I could give you something positive. I don't have anything good about that. Let's go to Nicholas in Wisconsin. Nicholas. Hey, Jim. How are you? 
I am good, Nicholas. How about you doing? What's going on? I'm doing well. Uh, my question is about DreamFinders Homes. Uh, last week during their third quarter report, they reported that they grew revenue 14% and pre-tax profits 27%. I'm wondering with mortgage rates up around 8% and staying there, do you think they'll have continued success or are they going to tailor off and start to sink? No, I think they're going to have continued success. I think they have a unique model. I really like it. Did some work on it just the other day. I think you had a good one there and I would stay along it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for your service, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, tech may be the bell of the ball, but don't forget to work the room. Put diversification on your dance card when Mad Money returns. It's not just the tech is so good. It's that so many other sectors are so bad. That's the crux of this market. Regular viewers know I'm a big believer in diversification. I call it the only free lunch in the business because if you keep all of your eggs in one basket, eventually your portfolio is going to get scrambled. But in all my years managing money professionally, 42 in all, it's never been this difficult to be diversified because there are so few sectors that are consistently working beyond tech. Let's take them down so you know what I mean. First, for almost the entirety of my career, I've had a list of go-to drug stocks. Merck and Bristol-Myers were always fixtures, one or the other. Johnson & Johnson was go-to, just a magnificent company. Triple A balance sheet, Abby made sense, good yield. Pfizer was a gimme, and of course, Eli Lilly, which has an excellent stable of drugs and a fantastic pipeline. But Merck right now is being incorrectly written off as a one-trick anti-cancer phony with Keytruda. Even if, if, if it's an amazing drug, not mattering. Bristol-Myers lacks a future blockbuster. Seems to have paid too much for Celgene, given that Celgene's main drug is losing its exclusivity. Abby's trying to plug the hole of Umira, that immunosuppressant that's losing exclusivity. Pfizer's furiously buying companies with the money it made during COVID, but nothing's moving the needle. And J&J has huge liability from those calc lawsuits. It's getting really suboptimal at J&J because of the mounting tide of cases. At least you like, well, we've shown for the chopper sauce. I, I still like it, but it ain't cheap. Second, how about the banks? We've tried to diversify into this group for the trust, but the stocks all trade together. That's just poison, as I said earlier to a caller about Huntington Bank shares. Maybe long-term interest rates have peaked, but the sector can't lift its head. Third, retail has just consistently been four stocks. Costco, TJX, Walmart, and yes, Amazon, which is more of a tech play. Everything else is horrendous. Like Eli Lilly and drugs, you can't stay away from those three winners. And Amazon, anything else, and ouch. Autos, wrecked by the striking blood of electric vehicles. Transports, oil still too high. Labor costs are playing havoc. Food stocks, these new anti-obesity drugs have wrecked the group. All of them can't be touched. Meat and entertainment, I've never seen a group more challenged just to keep its head above water. Utilities, rising interest rate environment like Dominion we mentioned earlier. Nothing's worse because these dividend stocks, well, they compete directly with bonds. If rates peak, then it's a different story. But maybe they have it. Oil and gas monumental collapse. Maybe the industrials, but they're hit or miss, even the ones with exposure to reshoring and energy efficiency. Infrastructure is supposed to last, but that's being challenged too. Well, I think the group can come back as all the government spending kicks in. It sure isn't working now. No one wants to wait for it. Housing, not with these mortgage rates. On and on. There's just not much that's safe. And when you put together a basket of unsafe sectors, well, that doesn't make it into a safe portfolio. So what do you do? For the investing club, we've had to search long and hard for the one stock that will work in each sector other than technology, and it ain't easy. Sure, we've leaned on Lilly, held on to Costco, stuck with Humana, like Coterra, because it's got much more exposure to natural gas than oil, and that's held up. 
Look, I still believe in diversification, but I also understand why people cling to the Magnificent Seven. These are stocks with strong revenue growth, excellent profits, and unfathomably good balance sheets. It's almost as if they're the only safe havens, the nation states, even as they're all expensive. And many of them tend to be very volatile. I'm not saying you should abandon diversification, not at all. But you need to accept that there will be moments when it does hurt you. We stick with it anyway because it offsets the risk from being too concentrated in tech, which can crush you when things go wrong. We don't go all in on Magnificent Seven because the market's always changing. And when tech rolls over, these stocks get killed. Remember that just happened 2022? Who knows if it will happen again? I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 